Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. I've asked Chris to come up and say the joke. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. As a condition of my probation, I've been asked to come up and share a joke with you all this evening. Um, why did the... Why, why did the ghost begin attending AA meetings? Because he kept getting sheet-faced. <laughs> I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Fred. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise that will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. If everybody is ready, we're going to start the meditation.
fog light prayer. If you don't know it, it's on the banner right here. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those whom are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There's a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Norm to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. Hi, everyone. I'm an alcoholic. My name's Norm. Good to be here. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed, by once, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapid, rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because the developments they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of a difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problem in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be de defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one needs have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but they are, these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is content prior to investigation. This is by Herbert Spencer. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane or meeting mode or just turn them off. So I'm going to introduce Pat, and one thing I do want to say that just came to my mind is um, just keep your, your 
your heart open because uh, Pat sponsored me for like nine months, and I definitely know if he helped me, he can help any of you if you just have your mind and heart open tonight. Welcome, Pat. <laughs> yeah, Fred can get it anyway. <laughs> a recovered alcoholic. My name is and thanks to the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous outlined in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the program of AA, I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And for that, I will be forever grateful. Uh, AA has, has surely given me a life worth living, uh, a new life worth living. And I absolutely love my life today, as opposed to when I got here. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> Good to see you, buddy. And... Uh, I have no idea what I was going to talk about tonight on the way over here. You know, I didn't have the talk before the meeting, you know, on the way here. I was like blank, which is probably a good thing. But uh, the word that did jump out while I was sitting there right there was could. You know, the, the word in the second step, it says could, you know, came to believe in a power greater than itself that could. It doesn't say would. It says could restore us to sanity and and a friend of mine, uh, Mike L., who I used to chase around everywhere, he was like, uh, he, was, he, he was my guy. He was my guy. He was carrying the message, man, and, and uh, he was on fire at the time. And I, wherever he was, I wanted to be there listening to him do step series. And, and, and Mike used to say that can, could means that conditions must be met, you know, that there's, there's things that we must do to uh, have God restore us to sanity. And by the way, that's admitting that I'm insane when I get here, right? Which is like a tough sell, you know? Like, I don't think I'm insane. I think you're insane, you know? I think the rest of the world's insane. I don't think I'm insane. And, but, uh, but, but to be restored to sanity means that we got to do certain things. And, and I, you know, I, I shared with you guys last night, uh, you know, how, or last week, last night. Uh, I did speak last night. But uh, about... Uh, my struggle with the third step and, and uh, this, this inability to, to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. I just couldn't see uh, that my problem was me. You know, I just couldn't see it. You know, I just, I just still thought that it was her and them and him and it and, you know, those, those cops and that bitch. And, you know, that, you know they're just, they're just, they just won't let up. They just, the world just won't let up. You know, and if, and if I was that guy that, that, that Bill describes, that actor who's just trying to to put the pieces together, trying to run the show, you know, and, and just not going my way. And, you know, I didn't do uh, my fourth step uh, because I thought it was going to work. You know, I... I I, it was a, it was, and, and like everything here, right? It's a leap of faith, isn't it? It's like this huge leap of faith. This, you know, how can looking at me fix you? You know, I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. You know, when I get here, you know, how can taking my inventory free me from the bondage of you? You know, because I, I know you're the problem, and it just was like, you got to be kidding me. And, and, you know, we talked about, I, I think I talked about it in the, in the. Uh, in the second step, you know, about the formula, the AA formula, right? The, the willingness and the uh, decision and the action and, and then the results, right? That, that there's, there's this formula that AA uses. It's been around since the beginning of time, but, uh, but we claim it. <laughs> and it's just this willingness to believe. And, and really, 
I don't know if it was a willingness to believe in a power greater than myself or a willingness to believe you, right? I'm, I'm believing you, you know? You're up here telling me the way your life was and how it was a complete disaster. And I'm going, yeah, mine too. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah, it happened to me too. Yeah, I felt like that too. And, and then you told me how you recovered and you seemed to have your shit together. You know? Now, I don't know about a life beyond your wildest dreams that you were claiming, you know, because the, the guy that said that in my meeting, my early meeting, didn't have a car or a girlfriend, you know? You know like, like, what the hell are you comparing your life to, dude? Because you look like a loser to me, you know? But he was sober. <laughs> he had a freaking smile on his face. And I'm a mess. I'm, I'm a freaking hot mess. So I'm sitting in the back of the room going, I, I, this, I got nowhere else to go. And that's why I'm here, because I'm out of options. I don't have another go-to. I don't know what else to do. Booze stopped working. And I don't know what else to do, and I don't have the guts to kill myself. And I can't live with the way I feel. And I can't live with the way the world is. And I don't know what else to do but trust you. You And when Jim B. said, put pen to paper, you want to get the third step, put pen to paper, do an inventory, do a confession, start making restitution, and then you'll find out God will enter your life. You'll find God. Now, I didn't, you know, not like we have to look too far. You know, deep down within every one of us is a fundamental idea of God. But we're running from church to church looking for him, you know. At least I was. And, uh, and, and I, I was amazed at the results I got in that resentment inventory. I was absolutely amazed. Uh, I, I was developing faith at that point, you know, uh, faith in you guys, faith that there was this possibly this power out there, this God of my misunderstanding, which it was for many years and maybe still is. Yeah. You know what? I found out I don't need to understand it. Yeah. I don't need, I'm done analyzing. I just, I'm just utilizing, you know, I'm, I'm done trying to figure it out. I'm not a figure outer anymore. You know what I mean? I was a figure outer all my life. I'm not a figure outer anymore. You know, I don't need to figure it out. I don't need to know, you know, I don't need to know if, if, if people can raise from the dead and, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't need to know that, you know, turn water to wine. I don't need to know. I don't need any proof in that shit anymore. I know that God is, you know, as a result of action, of a decision, action, and results, you know, and, and my, my first three months before pen hit the paper, I was thinking about that earlier, that I lived on the acceptance prayer, and you don't hear it much anymore, right, we used to have those little acceptance pamphlets around, all the rooms, right, that little four by four acceptance pamphlet, and you don't even see them in the rooms much anymore, but I lived on that day. I lived on, it was 449 when I got sober. What is it, 417 now? You know, and, uh, let's go back there. See, it's this ad-libbing shit works well. <laughs> I had to believe, you know, it says, when acceptance is the answer to all my problems today, when I'm disturbed, it's because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, or thing, or situation being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I accept my life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world, but needs to be changed in me. Isn't that what the freaking inventory was all about? But I had to believe. All I, all I kept saying to myself is nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Right? Now, I'm not one of them guys that says everything happens for a reason. 
I'm not that guy. I am not that guy. I don't think children are abused for a freaking reason. You know, I, I don't. I know there's self-will. There's self-will run riot. There's evil out there, and and evil people do evil things to good people. And and I don't think God has anything to do with that. You know, I don't think God has anything to do with that. But this said, and I had to believe this, that nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. That there had to be a reason for all this shit that I was going through. There had to be some reason for it. Now, I know today what that is, but it took me a lot of years to figure out exactly what that was. And that's when you realize that you get to be here. You know, that's when you find out. When you realize, I get to be here. I don't need to be here. I don't have to be here. I want to be here. And then I realize I get to be here. That we're chosen people. That's crazy. That is crazy to be chosen for something. That's insane. That we can do something that doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists and the clergy can't do. We can save alcoholic and addicts' lives. Literally. And I'm not, that's not ego talking, that's just truth. Why? Because we have a story, right? Because we're freaking broken, right? We have a story. You know, we, have, we come here, we share how screwed up we are, and everybody claps, and, you know, and, and suddenly I'm fucked up like that too, and, you know, <laughs> and we all get together after the meeting, we hug and talk about how screwed up we are, and we go to dinner and talk about all the tragedy that's taking place in our lives, and we laugh, and, you know, and people beside us go, are they laughing about a car accident? And they go, yeah, they're laughing about a car accident over there, you know, right? And, and the fact that we're two of the same on the same sinking ship bonds us together. And, and you believe me, you know, you believe me. When the psychologist and the psychiatrist and the doctor and the clergy say they know how you feel, you know they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. No, you don't. You don't know what it feels like to know you're going to jail and drink anyway. You know? I mean, you don't know that. You don't know what it feels like when they tell you they're going to take your son from me. In the true story, they're going to take your son from you if you drink again. And I gave up my son. You don't know how that feels. You give up marriages, give up relationships, give up careers. You guys do. Because I see a lot of you going like this right now. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's, the, that's the bond. That's the deal. Yeah. So I believed you when, you when you told your story and you told me how you recovered. And when I hit, read Bill's story, when you got 42 stories in the back of the book and you hear how screwed up these guys were. And they did this action and they were so, restored to some sort of sanity. And I can't, I, I was absolutely amazed and just by the resentment inventory. And I might have even settled for that. When I did that resentment inventory and, and I said to myself, holy shit, this is all my fault. Right? Like there was such a freedom in that. I mean, who would have thought that, that to admit that it's my fault, I would find freedom? Who would have thought that? I wanted you to say you were sorry and then I'd be free. Right? I mean, that's the way it works. You apologize. I accept. We're all happy. Right? You pay me the money you owe me. I'm happy. We shake hands. We hug. And we move on. Right? Who would have thought that in every situation I could find where I started that ball rolling, where I could have reacted differently, or where it was just all my fault? 
and get free. That's incredible to me. I was freaking amazed. That's how faith is built. That's how faith is built in this program. I made a decision. I took some action. I got some results. I believe. I believe you now. Let's do fear. <laughs> Let's do fear. Yeah. And I don't think it's a coincidence, by the way, that Bill put fear after resentment, but then says fear is the underlying corroding thread underneath it all. That all your resentments are fear-based, but we're going to talk about resentments first, then I'm going to tell you that fear is the, is the devil. Fear is what's driving your resentments. Fear in a, you know, a hundred forms of fear, right, it says, right? So we suffer about a hundred forms, we're afraid of everything. The past is going to repeat itself. The future is going to be this, you know. I'm going to lose what I got. I'm not going to get what I want. You're going to find out who I really am. I read something the other day. I do a lot of reading. I have all these readings that I do during the day just to get me out of my head. My favorite prayer has, been, has become, by the way, thank you. I say it all day long. Thank you. Nice, simple prayer. Works really well. I read it the other day. Put your left foot on the floor, say thank. Put your right foot on the floor, say you. <laughs> and move on from there. Thank you, thank you. Look in the mirror, thank you. you know. Get in the car, thank you. <laughs> on my way to work, thank you. <laughs> other than that, I'm going, I, I, am I the only one that gets up in the morning, looks in the mirror and goes, fuck. <laughs> I'm not the only one, am I? <laughs> no. I should watch my language. This is supposed to be a spiritual program. It's the truth, though. That's the truth. I, my base nature is negative. My base nature is negative. I start off negative. I start off, this day is going to suck. You know, I wish this day was over. That used to be my whole life. Right? I wish this day was over. <laughs> and I'm not even at work yet. You know? And We're going to talk a lot about that when we get to step 11, right? 10 and 11. Right? Start off a positive direction. Right? Thank you. And I, that's, I've just gotten in the habit now. I love it. What a great prayer. But anyway, this reading that I got the other day, it says that, uh, that I real, who I really am is who I am in the dark. You know me by reputation. God knows me in the dark. Think about that. When I, who I really am is when I'm alone in the dark at home by myself. Everything you know about me is just reputation. What I want you to know, the fake self. Yeah. What I want you to know about me. Although I've gotten pretty, what's the word I'm looking for, transparent from the podium over the years. You know a lot more about me than I wish you did. Or that I really want you to. But he talks about fear. I, I, uh, this, I do it. I printed this on the way over. This was in my reading. It's a, a, a woman that... I, listen, I uh, listen to the audio of a bigger book during the day because I have a hard time reading it. Uh, very deep stuff. But Nikki Gumbel, this uh, author, does this uh, Bible in a Year thing that I listen to. And uh, this was one of the readings the other day. And I'm, what a way to start a fear uh, inventory. At one le level, fear is healthy. Fear is an emotion induced by a perceived threat. It's a natural human emotion, right? A God-given instinct, right? It's God-given. It's a basic survival mechanism. It keeps us alive. It protects us from danger. However, there is also such a thing as unhealthy fear. The Greek word commonly used uh, in the bigger book is phobia, from which we get the word 
phobus, which for which we get the word phobia. This is an unhealthy fear. It's a disproportionate to the danger posed. It's false evidence appearing real. It's when I catastrophize, overestimating the danger and underestimating my ability to cope. Common phobias include fears in relation to health, finances, failure, growing old, death, loneliness, rejection, messing up, public speaking, flying, heights, snakes, spiders. Does that sound like anything on anybody's fear inventory? <laughs> like that just, did I just list all your fears? Right? They also include things as, as what we now call FOMO, fear of missing out and fear of not being enough. In my life, I've experienced many fears. This is Nikki talking. From the fear of heights to panic attacks to other irrational fears, fears about speaking and fear of doing anything that might bring dishonor to the program. Whereas the spirit of God does not produce negative fear, there is a kind of healthy fear, the fear of God. This does not mean I'm frightened of God. In fact, it means the opposite. It's an understanding of who God is in relation to us. It means respect, reverence, awe, honor, adoration, worship. It even can be translated as love for God. It recognizes the power, majesty, and holiness of God. It leads to a healthy respect of God and is the antidote to all other fears and phobias which we experience in life. Fear God, and you need not fear anything else or anyone else. Powerful stuff, right? Kind of the... I think we may have stole that solution from another book. Or did they steal ours? I think that one's been around a few thousand more years. The, uh, the solution to fear is the same solution as resentment. Right? Prayer. Yeah. Prayer. God, we can do this. And that's, that's my daily thing. God, we can do this. You know? I don't pray for God to remove the fear. Yeah. God, help me walk through it. You and me. Let's walk through it. You know? And we do the same thing we did in the resentment inventory. Why am I afraid? You know, who, what am I afraid of? Why am I afraid? What part of me is affected, which is only, the only thing that really matters, right? Which basic instinct of life, which God-given instinctual drive is affected by this fear? Is it my social instinct, my security instinct, my sex instinct? The fourth column is, am I doing anything to... to to, to make this fear appear? Am I, am I playing a part in this? Right? Am I doing something to set the ball rolling? I, I always ask, is the fear even real? Is it real? Most of them aren't, right? I mean, when we, I always get my guys when we do a fear inventory to read it from top to bottom and tell me which, which one of those is right here, right now. Very few. Most of them are something that happened in the past that they're afraid is going to repeat itself in relationships or jobs or whatever. And other is something they're afraid is going to happen in the future. 99% of them are not here. Not right here, right now. None of them, very few are real. I mean, even when we go as far as I'm feeling, like, she was, like Nikki was saying, I'm, I'm afraid of death. You know, <laughs> alcoholics say we live in Paradoxville, right? I'm afraid of life. I'm afraid of death. You know? I'm afraid of relationships. I'm afraid of being alone. You know? <laughs> Right? I, I'm afraid I'll never get a job. I'm afraid I'm going to get fired. You know, I mean, it's just we live in Paradoxville. You know, it's just so true, right? I drank when the sun shined. I drank when it rained. You know, I drank when I got the relationship. I drank when I lost the relationship. I drank when I got the job. Celebrate. Had to get drunk when I lost it. You know, just there's these paradoxes that we live in constantly. But very, very few are right here, right now. 
I can't even think of one in my life right now. Uh, not something like right now. What, do, what am I afraid of right now? I can't even think of one. But I could probably go home and write an inventory mm-hmm. of things that I'm afraid of. The corroding thread underneath it all. You know, my whole life has been fear-driven. You know, fear I won't be liked and accepted, mostly. You know, and if you're not liked and accepted... Uh, you're probably not going to be successful, and if you're not liked and accepted and you're not successful, you're probably not going to get laid. <laughs> you know, so, so all three instincts are affected. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's just, uh, which was my goal in life, by the way, from age 13 on. You know? I mean, get the right, you know, right? Get the right job, get, make enough money, get the right car, get the girl. You know, that, was, that was my whole life. And it's never going to happen to me because I'm so afraid to talk to girls that I'm never going to be able to ask one out. And then Boone's Farm came along. <laughs> Miracle drug. Halfway through that ball of Boone's Farm, I went from Pee Wee Herman to John Travolta, you know. Went from 5'8", five, 5'9", five, to 6'3", you know. Went from big ears, big nose, to just perfect, you know. Living life sober is a trick, man. It's a whole new deal. It's a whole new deal, you know. Dealing with those emotions without medication is a whole nother deal, you know. So the, the same thing with fear. You know, we ask God to remove our fears. At once he removes the fears, I, I've never really lost the fear. Uh, you know, people used to tell me that, you know, uh, I lacked faith. That's why I was in fear. I don't buy it. I just think it's, uh, it's part of my DNA. I just think it's part of my makeup. You know, I, I can remember being five years old, suffering from anxiety and fear. You know, just this inner dialogue that, you know, told me I was never going to be enough or, or never live up to everybody's expectations and, and I didn't want to be here from a very young age you know and with medication I was able to cope for 20 years <laughs> and then you come in I come in here and you take my medication away from me and now I got to cope you know? difficult and that's that's what this exercise has been about you know the, the 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 experience that I had in the resentment inventory the freedom that I got in the the, the resentment inventory allowed me to move on to the fear inventory and really look at that and see the truth in that. And the truth is, most of them aren't real. It's all bullshit. It's all imagined. And now I'm really starting to get free. Now I'm really starting to have this personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism that Norm just read, right? That a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening is nothing more than a personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism or drug addiction. Hell, I just read out a doctor addict alcoholic. We can say drugs here, right? They had to change the story. The acceptance is the answer. He's a freaking addict. Yeah. So is Dr. Bob, by the way. <laughs> I'm starting to have that. What's Carl Young say? Uh, ideas, emotions, and attitudes that were once the driving force of these men and women are replaced by a whole new set of conceptions. My ideas, attitudes, and emotions are starting to change. I'm no longer looking at you as I'm no longer looking at me as a victim. I'm looking at myself as a volunteer. And and the people who wronged me, who I legitimately believe wronged me, I'm looking at them as sick people. I'm looking at them and there's something going on in their life that's causing them to react that they are. It's not just me. Yeah, I might have brought the worst out in them, but it's not just me. I need to pray for those people. As I would a sick friend. And now I've got a tool to deal with the fear. I've got a tool to walk through the fear. And I deal with it on a daily basis. I, you know, every time I'm on my way here, I wonder why I do this. You know, 
and it's just me and God. You know, just you know, use me, you know, do with me as you will. Right? Nothing happens in God's world by mistake. And that's different than everything happens for a reason, isn't it? <laughs> that's different. <laughs> that we can use tragedy for good is the way I see that. That our, our deep, dark past becomes a tool. Becomes our greatest asset, it says in family afterward, right? It's our greatest asset because it unlocks death and misery for you, for someone else. And your deep, dark secret shared from the pony unlocked mine. Me hearing your stories gave me hope that I could do this thing, that I might be able to live without medication. That was a big deal. <laughs> that was a big deal. Because my first 90 days were white knuckle shit, man. My first 90 days were brutal. Don't let anybody tell you that first year is a gimme. That first year is, a, is bullshit. That's, that's a tough deal. You hear that from the old timers. First year is a gimme. It's tough. It's bullshit. Yeah. That first year's a bitch. That's life-changing, man. You know, that is, that's a whole new lifestyle, man. A whole new lifestyle. So two-thirds of my mind now is open to the sunlight of the Spirit. I'm starting to get free. I'm starting to remove the conflict from my life. I don't do conflict well. Conflict gets me high. I, I drink and drug over conflict. I hate feelings. I do. I, I hate negative feelings. I hate that, you know, conflict. That's all I can explain it. You know. And I'm, it's starting to re remove the conflict. And when the conflict does get in my life, we're going to see later that we got this step that we can remove it immediately. We can do this inventory and we can call our sponsor or, or somebody who's working this program and we can get free of it. Or we can make restitution where necessary. But when we fell short of the chosen ideal, we can ask God to help us do better the next time and learn from it. The, the last inventory they ask us to do is the uh, sex inventory, which I, I don't even, uh, when, when I'm doing this with my guys, I don't even refer to it as a sex inventory. I refer to it as a relationship inventory. Yeah. What, it, it's talking about, and it's a different question, by the way. It's a who do I hurt question, not who hurt me. It's a different question in the sex inventory, the relationship inventory. I like to ask, who did you hurt in pursuit of relationships? In pursuit of sex, who did you hurt? Not, I don't want a list of everybody you had sex with. I, I don't want a list of everybody you had consensual sex with. That's, that's not what I want. That's not what we're looking for. Who did I hurt in pursuit of relationships or sex? And that may be people that I didn't have sex with. In pursuit of sex, I could hurt the person I'm with. In pursuit of the porn site, I could have had sex with no one but myself and hurt the person that I'm in a relationship with. I could have had a relationship with somebody who had a husband and kids. I hurt their husband and their children, and I didn't have any sex with them. A lot of people we hurt in this area. And the book's clear, by the way. We're not here to judge your sex behavior. That's not what we do. We are not the moral police here. You get to judge that for yourself. God within. Deep down within every one of us is the fundamental idea of God. It shows up in your conscience. 
It shows up in your soul. It shows up in just knowing right from wrong. We know when we're wrong. We feel it. We pay the price. Nobody has to tell me what I'm doing is right or wrong. I know it. And everybody's different. Everybody's barometer is different. And by the way, that road's going to narrow down the road. That, that road will change. What, I, what was acceptable when I got here and what was acceptable five years later and what was acceptable ten years later changes. We'll talk more about that when we get to six and seven. But we're not here to judge that. We don't care. I don't care if he's... You know, like, I wasn't the only one on the porn site. It's a $50 billion inventory I, I, industry. I didn't spend that much money. Yeah. And look, if that's what you want to do and you're okay with it, fine. You know what I mean? Just if, Maybe if you're sitting at home all day long with your pants on the floor, you might want to take a look at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's all I'm saying, you know? Or if it's hurting a relationship that you're in, if it's consensual and you're both in, go for it. You know, whatever the two you want to do, go for it. I don't care. Nobody here should. That's your thing. It's who am I hurting with my behavior? That's what the question is. I'm not hurting anyone. Right? Now, at some point, I felt like I was hurting myself. That I needed to reel my own behavior in. And that becomes a different issue. Right? That's, you know, this program has a way of taking you spiritually where you, somewhere where maybe you didn't plan on going. You, know, you want more. You know what I mean? You want more. You want to get better. I want more of this. You get a taste of it. I want more. I was, I was, I was, uh, I don't know if I shared with you guys or not. I was at uh, my church a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and by the way, I'm not promoting religion or anything. I don't care if you go to church or not. I, you know, I just, I use everything. I, and by the way, I don't just go to one church. I go to a bunch of churches I love. I love going to CBG, non-denominational. I love going to my Catholic church. I love going to my son's uh, non-denominational church in Jacksonville when I'm up there. I love Pastor Russ. I love Pastor Dave. I love Father Kelly. I just love all those guys. I, I go where God is. You know what I mean? Wherever God is, I like being there. You know, I love AA. I love CA. You know, God's there, and I go. You know. But the the uh, the reading uh, was about a young man who was uh, very successful, had all the wealth that he could, could, could accumulate in a lifetime. Property, prestige, relationships, relation, he was, but he wasn't happy. And he saw the teacher, and he saw how happy the teacher seemed with nothing. Isn't that kind of like what we see here, right? We see this guy with a light beyond his wildest dreams at the podium, and he seems to have nothing. And he's talking about how happy he is. And this teacher is talking about how great he feels and with this relationship with God. And, and he wants that. He, he's missing that. That's the only thing he's missing in his life. And he says, what do I have to do to get that? And he says, you've got to leave everything you have behind. And you've got to give it all to charity. You've got to give all your property, all your wealth. You've got to leave everything and follow me. And then you'll get what I have. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. He, he left. He wasn't willing to do that. Somewhere along the line, we're all going to have those decisions to make, right? How, how much do I want? How good do I want to feel? How free do I want to be? Right? How free do I want to be? And am I willing to give up certain things materially or relationally? 
to feel more spiritually, to get more spiritually? Those are questions. I mean, we all hit those turning points. I'm guilty. You know, I struggle with it. Another, it's another six and seven step conversation, isn't it, right? The spiritual warfare that goes on for the rest of our lives. It's, my friend Ben calls it divine dissatisfaction. At some point, we want more. But are we willing to give up the material and the relational for the spiritual? That's a, that's a tough call. It's tough. That's tough. Sometimes no. <laughs> you know, sometimes I say no. I'm good where I'm at. <laughs> So we asked, what, who did I hurt? What did I do? Not what instinct was affected, but what instinct was I trying to satisfy? And I know we're tempted to check the sex, in, the sex instinct that was what affected for me most of the time. It was not that. Most of the time, it was the social instinct, what you thought of me. You, know, you don't think I'm having any fun. You know, I'm not in a relationship, then I must be a loser. In my mind, that's the way I, you're seeing me, the way I think you see me. And if I'm not in a relationship, then I'm a loser. Because all I think about is what you think of me. But I'll say, I don't give a shit what you think of me. To everybody. Oh, you can say, I don't give a shit what you think of me. All I think about is what you think of me. Oh, no, you know, people who don't care what people think about them never say, I don't care what people think of me. They never say that. But that's all I care about. It's more about the social instinct, isn't it? It's more about the, the security instinct than the sex instinct. I need to depend on somebody. I'm, I'm codependent. Or I need somebody to depend on me. That's why I'll always get somebody sicker than me. So they can't run. Right? I want them to have no job, no education. Kind of good looking, but not too good looking. You know? A stay-at-home wife. Never leave the house then I would still be afraid that somebody would show up at the door. I'm dependent, and I want dependent people around me. I don't want independent people around me. I didn't then. I do now. <laughs> it's, never, it's rarely the sex thing. I wanted you to think I was getting laid. I was scared to death to get laid. I might screw that up. What if I fail there? I'll have to kill myself. What if I don't measure up? Yeah. Boom. I'm out of here. Yeah. Imagine that rumor going around, right? <laughs> I'd rather you think I was having sex than actually have the sex. For me, it was more about the social and the security instinct than it was about the sex instinct. But still a driving force, a driving force in my life. You know? And the question in the other columns are different, too. It's not what did I do in, to set the ball rolling. It's more about what feelings did I create in them. Did I create distrust? Did I create uh, anger? Did I create jealousy? What feelings did I create in them with my behavior? And if you're not sure, put your name on the beginning of that list and ask if that happened to you, how would you feel? If they did to you what you did to them, how would you have felt? And the last question is, what are the, what's the core nature of my wrongs? What's the energy behind my behavior? And that's with all these inventories, right? With the resentment inventory, with the fear inventory, with the relationship inventory. What is the, what is the 
What's behind it? What's the energy behind my behavior? What's the energy? What are the tools am I, that I'm using to satisfy my instincts? Well, I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I'm inconsiderate. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I'm a self-seeker. What's in it for me? How much is mine? What about me? It's all about me. That's, that's the energy that I've been using my whole life to get what I want. The core, the core defects, right? Dishonesty, inconsideration, selfishness, fear. The driving forces of my life. Those are the tools I had when I got here. That's how I'm going to get you to like me. That's how I'm going to be successful in a job. That's how I'm going to satisfy my, my material instinct. That's how I'm going to create a relationship. I'm going to create this person that doesn't even exist so that you like and accept me and you'll marry me and we'll sleep together. Yeah. Maybe not in that order. but I, I really... After that inventory, I looked at that inventory, and I don't, I don't know if I've ever had a healthy relationship. I want to tell you something. It took me a long time to even figure out what a healthy relationship was in the program, in, in recovery. It took me a long time and a major failure to really, really look at what was driving my relationships because I was still a taker. Deep into recovery, I was still a taker. I look back, and I don't want to minimize uh, anybody that's got a year or two years or five years or ten years, but I look back at my recovery, and I was a freaking infant at five years. I was an absolute, and look, I wasn't drinking and drugging. I was doing a lot of service in recovery. You know, I was, I was there, but the core nature, my core nature was still there. My base nature was still a taker. I was still a taker. I was still a what's in it for me here. You know, I was still that guy. I didn't even, what's it say in the third step? But we don't think so. Right? The alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-pity, stepping on the toes of fellows. They retaliate, but they don't think so. I didn't think so. But I wasn't where I wanted to be, but I had come a long way at five years. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was a different person at five years, nowhere where I needed to be, but I was a lot further along than where I was. You know? And at 10 years and at 15 years. You know? it's, a, it's a journey. It's a journey towards getting close. It's not even about getting perfect. It's about getting close. You know, it's, it's just about getting better. But, it's, but it, takes some, it takes some lumps, man. I had to take some lumps to figure it out. It's in the tragedies, of what, or my perceived tragedies, that, that my biggest lessons were learned. You know? and, and that's the cool thing about recovery, right? We've got somewhere to run when that shit happens. You know, we're not stuck dealing with it by ourselves. We've got, we got three sides of that triangle, right? We've got, we've got the recovery side. We've got the God side. We've got the fellowship side where we can run and grab on to our Tony Bocelli or our Mark Rumel, if you have heard my story. 
You know, that guy, that, that go-to guy with me, it was Billy G, it was Brian H, you know, it was Sean L. You know, I'd run to those guys and, and tell them what was going on. And, it, and, and if that failed, I had a sponsee that I could call and get out of myself. You know, and maybe even tell him what's going on. If I had other go-tos here, you know, I'd have breakthroughs instead of breakdowns. You know, I'd learn a lesson rather than have that lesson take me out. You know, let that tragedy, perceived tragedy, and they were to me. I mean, look, anything that happens to me is a perceived tragedy, mm-hmm. right? My, it's, my feelings are the worst feelings because they're mine, right? I know I feel for you and all that, but they're not mine. You know? I'm not feeling what you're feeling. I feel sorry for you, but I don't feel what you're feeling. I only feel what I'm feeling. So anything I'm feeling is the worst. That's the deal. The, 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 the genius behind Bill Wilson, the way he outlined this, this four-step inventory, is that we will have, when we're done with these inventories, everything we need for the rest of the program. We'll have everything on that inventory. And that's why we don't write our life story. That's why we don't, at this point, that's why we don't do a timeline at this, time, at this point. That's why we do it the way it's outlined in the book, right? We have our four-step inventory done. We have everything we're going to confess in step five on that four-step inventory. We have everything we're going to be willing to have God remove or change in step six. We have everything that we're going to ask God to change or remove in step seven. We have a list of everybody we've hurt in step eight, and we, those are the people that we're going to make amends to in step nine. Yeah. Doing it the way it's outlined in the book with that one paragraph of instructions in there that I missed my first time through the book. Yeah. We have everything we need for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, resentment-wise, fear-wise, and relationship-wise. You know? Now, we added a sheet uh, called Harms Other Than Relational, Harms Other Than Sexual, and uh, because the book doesn't address them for some reason. You know, the unpaid debts, you know, the, the, the student loans, you know, the hit-and-runs, the B&Es, the shoplifting, you know, that little stuff. You know, they kind of left that out of there. We make a list of all of that stuff too, you know, and 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 put a dollar amount on some on the stuff. Put it, you know, the the shoplifting. Put a dollar amount on it. I tell my guys, put a number on it. I'm not saying you know later we're going to use that list and not necessarily be able to make direct amends to all of them, but we need a list of it. How free do we want to be? You know, how free do we want to get? You know, I stole my neighbor's car. It needs to go on there. <laughs> you know, I needed a ride home. <laughs> it was the way it was back then. <laughs> it was a nice Lincoln, too. <laughs> that was back in the days where you could just wrap a wire over the cell. We got any old guys in here? You just wrap a wire under, that cell- under the solenoid, under the hood. There were no locking hoods or anything. You opened it from the outside, put a wire on the solenoid. It started, you take off. You know, right? You leave it till the battery. When the battery died, you got another one. You just picked up another one. You know. That stuff needs to go on that list. You know. I stole from my mother. Needed to go on that list. You know. I harmed her. I didn't just steal money from my mother. I stole time from my mother. I stole a lot of things from my mother. That poor woman got a good night's sleep when I was locked up. Other than that, she wondered whether her son was dead or alive. That's torture. That's stealing time. 
you know. It's funny when you go back to make amends to them, they don't want it. they don't want anything, right? Oh, just don't drink. <laughs> no, no, I know I owe you thousands of dollars, Mom. I don't care. I don't care. You're not drinking, are you? You know? <laughs> no, I'm fine, Mom. I'm fine. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You need any money? <laughs> no, no, it's all cool, Mom. It's all cool. <laughs> We're showing up different, right? This was life-changing for me, and, and I did not believe it before I did it. And we don't have to. We don't have to believe in God. We just have to be willing to believe that there's a power greater than ourselves. We don't have to believe that this process is going to work. We just got to take a leap of faith and do it. And you'll get results. I promise you, you will get results. But you got to do it the way it's done here. You got to follow, they use words like precise and specific and clear cut directions and exactly. They use words like that. If you want what we got, if you want the results that I got in step four or in any of these steps, then you have to follow the precise, specific, exact, clear cut directions that are outlined in this book. Or you'll get something that resembles recovery, but it won't be what we're promised here. We're promised freedom. That's what I needed. I needed freedom. Freedom from this. Freedom from me. Not from you. I thought I wanted freedom from you. I, wanted, I needed freedom from me. I am the enemy. Was that Winston Churchill? Was that a Winston Churchill quote? Hey. We have met the enemy. And it is us. <laughs> it was nobody else but me. I am my worst enemy. This is my worst enemy. I need to stay out of there as much as possible. I need to be guided. I need to be spiritually guided. I need to remove those, that core nature. I need to remove those core defects and start operating on something different. Just like with the resentments, right? We start operating on a different footing. What did, what did Bill say about Ebby? He was more than inwardly reorganized. His roots grasped new soil, Right? He was feeding off of something else now. He's no longer working on dishonesty and, and, and inconsideration and selfishness and fear. He's operating on stuff called love, tolerance, patience, understanding, courage, principles. Operating on a set of principles. I'm not going to do this because it might hurt somebody. That was never my nature. I'm going to do this because there's something in it for me. That was my base nature. I no longer think that way. Just as a result of looking at myself, as doing an image of who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? That looking at me would create such an experience, an awakening, an awakening. Thanks for letting me be here tonight. I appreciate it. All right, let's thank Pat one more time. All right, and now it's time for the secretary's report. Hello, my name is James, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. I've asked... Mac, to read the recovered statement, we read this notice to explain 
why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering, and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Please welcome up Mac. Um, Mac, I'm an alcoholic. Recovered, we are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Matt. Um, 1940-style Big Book sponsorship from forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate. Can I get a show of hands for recovered alcoholics out there? Awesome. Is there anyone that needs a sponsor? Anyone? Good. Uh, we have a couple announcements. The um, Broward County Intergroup, you can get medallions, literature. Um, there is also the helpline at the bottom. Um, they have new hours where they're open on Saturdays from 10 to 2. I'm going to get that eventually. Um, BCI... Picnic's over. Well, BC, <laughs> BCIC... Uh, did you enjoy the picnic? It was good. It was good? Uh, BCIC, uh, second Saturday of the month, they go into jails institutions. If you want service, you can go to that meeting. Um, please join us Monday nights for the Big Book Study Meeting where the Big Book comes alive. Fellowship's at 6.30 and the Big Book Study starts at 7.15. Um, we have CDs, mugs, large print big books and little uh, red books in the back for sale. And we meet here Thursdays at 7.15. Um, there's bananas on the coffee station table. Uh, they were donated by some people. Um, they're going to get tossed. So please, there's some that are good for banana bread, some for regular consumption. So just take them on your way out. Thank you. <laughs> we have tonight's session and all past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study. Those who wish to thank Pat, please line up down the center aisle. Um, let's take a moment of silence and we're going to close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. next Thursday. Godspeed.
smiling The whole world Smiles with you, baby, baby Yes, when you laughing
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.
the tape. Got one man that just won't say. 